Oh, I'm fired up now. That's verbatim from the subtitles. Punching. Punching. That'll do it. I'm going to have you shot. <laughs> Welcome to the Palm Court, a Mr. Selfridge podcast. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. Let's go shopping! <laughs> yeah. Ah! Yeah, and let's go podcasting. Let's go podcasting. Like, what an idea. I can't believe that we now live in the future. <laughs> and we can record ourselves discussing various pop cultures for dissemination to the masses. I uh, I just can't believe we live in the future where we pick this podcast up again. I know. I can't believe we live in this future where we wanted to pick up this podcast again. <laughs> We were real burned out. We were, but you know... We were sad. Some time went, and uh, you know, that that itch came back. I mean, we did catch that marathon of Downton Abbey that day. We did. It got us feeling all nostalgic. And We then, have that thing that somebody sent us that plays that warped version <laughs> of the Downton Abbey theme song that makes us laugh and laugh. Yeah. And oh, uh, they referenced Mr. Selfridge on Difficult People. Yes, they did reference Mr. Selfridge in the selfies. Yeah. <laughs> the guys who work on Mr. Mr. Selfridge that Arthur wants to hang out with so badly. Yeah. <laughs> but Arthur's not cool. No. <laughs> He'll never be cool. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Even when he tries to be, even when he had a trophy, he wasn't cool. Yeah. Spoilers ahead for difficult people, Maybe. apparently. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, nobody, look, it's, it's not it's, even a show you need to watch in order. Right. You've it's, only seen about 25% of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, hi. Hello. We're back. Yes. In pod form. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, we apologize for the long break. Yeah. Some of the long break. Right. Other parts of it we needed. Yeah. And part of it, too, was, so we have watched about half of the fourth season of Mr. Selfridge. Uh, two things. One, we don't remember it. Like I remember some of it. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's flashes here and there that we remember. I didn't remember anything that happened in series three. Yeah, that we've forgotten because entirely. Because we had to listen to an episode and be like, how does this go? There was a guy named Gerard. There was a guy named Gerard in yeah. The Homely Architect. Mm-hmm. And Violette was banging Fat to- uh, Fat Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Who I always want to call Fat Tony. Well, because, yeah. The Simpsons. But, you know, come on. Like, get it together. I told you that ad in the, in the church bulletin would work out, Fat Tony. <laughs> My wife is most insistent on the subject of the pretzel monies. Where are the pretzel monies, she asks. When are you going to get the pretzel monies? Point being, give Fat Tony the pretzel monies, people. It's not worth... You know what? I take that back. I think we'd all like to see a brawl between the Italian mob and the Yakuza on our lawn. Yeah, that's true. I know I would. Yeah, that'd be fun. I don't think our building manager would be super into it. No, and we've got a very small lawn. Like... It would be... I mean, it would be a high degree of difficulty. Yeah, yeah. They could use the driveways on either side. That's true. We'd need a good fight choreographer, so... Mm. Well, anyway. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, so uh, we're back. Mm-hmm. I've been going through some health problems, mm-hmm. as some of you know, because we're Facebook friends. <laughs> or you follow me on Twitter. Yeah. Or maybe I said something on the official... I don't think I did I say anything. I don't think so, no. It was weird to talk about. Yeah. 
Especially since there wasn't any product forthcoming. Like, I didn't <laughs> right. want to, like, I didn't want to get <laughs> yeah. everybody all excited. Yeah, it would be fine if you were using your mental health to plug our podcast. Yeah, which right. I that, was not. No. I no. wish, I wish I had. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish I had. Yeah. But I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. It was rough. Yeah. I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah. Uh, it's Hence been, this podcast. Yeah, here I am. Yeah. Feeling better. Yeah. Feeling chipper. Feeling better enough to engage with series four of Mr. Selfridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Which we are, you know, we will see how it goes, but we're, we're willing to, we're willing to do it this time. We're yeah, willing guys, to, to push through. We're willing through. to commit. That's right. We're really going to rose Selfridge our way through. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to grit our teeth and ignore the floozies. Oh, right. And we're going to get through this together, people. Yeah. Um, so to that end, let us begin. With an Ellen Love letter. Gosh, remember Ellen Love? Yes, I do. Remember how much she loved cocaine? <laughs> she loved cocaine. It's it's very popular. It also had a very strange effect on her. Yeah. Like a soporific effect. Uh, you know, it was just her, her particular biochemistry. What a strange person Ellen Love was. Yes. At any rate. Yeah. Cousin Anne Louise writes, Kelly and Tom, I know that we've never met. I know that you have no idea who I am, that I am, in fact, a... Weird, creepy internet stranger. <laughs> but when a casual search for something mentioned on Boar's Gore and Swords turned into falling down a social media wormhole, <laughs> I saw that things may not have been so great in the shenanigan house recently, and I really wanted to reach out. I know that I'm nearly 3,000 miles away and that the most we've ever spoken was having a couple of my emails read on your podcast, but you have helped me a lot over the past few years. I've had to move at least once a year since I was 16, and I work in a field with stupid hours and little stability. Theater, you know? (laughs) Oh, we know. We know. Maintaining a support network as I bounced around the country by myself from contract to contract was hard. I decided that I wanted to try and change things, so I spent a year in London to earn my master's degree. About halfway through that year, I sank into one of the worst episodes of depression in my life. It was a struggle to manage even basic functions like bathing or eating or just being awake. I actually lost my ability to process written language for a while. My sparse support network was an ocean and several time zones away, and I was living alone in a tiny dorm room surrounded by partying undergrad freshers. What I had was a crappy little Android phone and a Vodafone pay-as-you-go plan. I listened to your back catalog over and over again, shows and movies I had never seen and never would. You were my American comrades trying to navigate Britain. Having you in my earphones helped make the crowded bus and tube and stupid dining hall less overwhelming and terrifying. Having you playing in my room helped me feel less crushingly alone. A lot of days, hearing you giggle over the stick-poking kid or Benedict Cumberbatch's face was my only scrap of positive interaction. Feeling in on a reference to Prince Zuko or Make It or Break It helped me feel a much-needed, if irrational, sense of connection. There were an awful lot of days where you were the only way I could drown out my inner broadcast of incapacitating self-hatred. I don't think I could have finished school without you. I don't know if I would have made it out of that year at all without you. All this is to say I owe you in ways I can never repay. So even though we have never met and I am thousands of miles away, I want to offer whatever support I can give. I sincerely hope that things are getting better and will continue to do so. Please let me know if there is any way I can help at all. My very best wishes, Anne Louise. So thank you. Yeah. That is great. Tom's getting a little reclamped. Sure. Yeah. Which is adorable. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. (laughs) No. And I mean, I don't know. I feel really lucky to have the fan base that we have. Yeah, definitely. Like everybody has always been. 
there's no question that that's why we're back doing it. I mean, we're all a bunch of nice people who <laughs> like Downton Abbey who suffer from clinical depression. <laughs> and our best friends are on the internet. And the TV. And the TV. Especially the TV. Yeah. They don't talk back. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, uh, in terms of what you guys can do, uh, keep listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, write us letters. We're, uh, upstairs, downstairs. God no, damn it. No. We just, uh, <laughs> watched the second series of Upstairs, Downstairs, and every time I do that, it completely displaces the name of our podcast. <laughs> I spend the entire time we're watching it, calling it Up Yours Downstairs, <laughs> right. and, and then, then when it comes yeah. to, anyway. Uh, yeah. Up yours downstairs at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Twitter for, uh, at five Maggie Smith is the regular one, but right. we also have the Palm Court. Yeah. Which I believe is at the Palm Court Pod. I think it's Palm Court Pod. Yeah. But... Just search for it, guys. Yeah. Just find it. Yeah. It's pretty easy. That's true. Um, and Facebook, up yours downstairs exclamation point. That's right. We are around and yeah. presumably we'll start checking things again. We make no guarantees. Well, we both have, you know, different job situations yeah, now sure. and I've been in an outpatient program. Yeah. So just spending a lot of time in the hab, uh, yeah. uh, talking to other people in the hab, yeah. you know, not engaging with the world. It's been pretty great actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll most likely, you know, we will probably most likely read it all eventually. <laughs> oh yeah, we so, will. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yep. Um, yeah, but we might do something cool after we're done with Mr. Selfridge. We don't know yet. We might. We've we got ideas. might. You know what? You know what? Tell her that I might. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. So now with all the housekeeping out of the way, let's. Go shopping. <laughs> series four, episode <laughs> one. Well, remember how I said I didn't remember anything that happened in series three? Right, I do. Neither does the show. Yes. So this is great. Like, it remembers to the extent that people that have died do not appear in this yes, series. Yes, they remain dead. Right. Persons who got married remain married. Yeah. Mostly. Uh, yeah. We think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. otherwise, this could just, this could be literally any show. That's right. This could be Three's Company. <laughs> so get ready for some hijinks, everybody. Come on to the sales floor. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. I don't know the rest of the Three's yeah, Company theme song. Somebody does. <laughs> yeah, probably somebody. Somebody does, Tom. Yeah. Somebody before our ADHD generation remember. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I'm not sure that joke worked. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe We're, you should delete it and post. I, I may not remember. <laughs> but you just said it. Like, you'll be listening to it while you're editing. I don't understand what the problem is. Uh, yeah, you're right. So, waves crashing. Uh, it is Biarritz in France in 1928. Jazz! That's Gambling! What- <laughs> We see Harry, roulette wheel spinning, he's surrounded by floozies, and he decides to bet it all on black. Credits. And Jeremy Piven looks rough. Yeah. And I don't know if it's makeup or the fact that mercury poisoning's no joke. <laughs> yeah. Like, he just does not look great. Yeah. Looking very, very rough there, yeah. old Jeremy Piven. Also, so like, did he win? Are we ever going to find out if he won? I don't know. I don't leave that is, plot thread dangling. I think it's a flash forward <laughs> to the end of the... Oh. I don't know. That'd it's very unclear to me. Yeah. I didn't think that, but it's an interesting thought. 
I don't know. It just seemed like the kind of thing. Like he's going on this gambling binge at the end of whatever the hell happens in this series. Yeah, could be. But Which, he goes on a lot of gambling binges. Yeah, that's true, boy. He sure has a gambling problem. <laughs> he sure does. He really does. And a floozy problem. <laughs> that's right. I guess, was he drinking? Remember, he's a teetotaler. I don't recall whether he was drinking or not. Well, often the show forgets. Yes, that's so. right. <laughs> oh, you know, those are all just Shirley Temples. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> oh, he knew. <laughs> he was ahead of his time. That's right. We're over at Colin. Our store's the first to offer a Shirley Temple. <laughs> a who? You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at Colliano's, which is looking very good. Yeah. Uh, clearly, that, business is booming. That's right. He's uh, made the appropriate underworld, you know, connections. Yeah. Uh, also, Jazz is playing there. That's right. So Jazz... Everywhere. It's, it's really taken off. It's like a veritable jazz age. It is indeed like that. <laughs> uh, Mustache and Selfridge head into Colliano's, ignoring journalists who are asking about someone named Elsie Lane, which uh, is not Penny Lane. Right. That's true. So it could be a person. I, it yeah. could be a lane. <laughs> I believe it to be a floozy. Fat Thomas uh, sees... Harry and mustache and gets up on stage and greets everyone and the Earl of Oxford Street, which is like, okay, just let him be around. Okay. He's just trying to gamble. Uh, he introduces Alberta Hunter, a singer from America who is way better than Jack Ross way on better. every level. Yeah. I mean, she's a woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, her accent isn't terrible. Right. She's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jack Ross looked okay. Yeah. He was fine, but she has really solid like eyeliner and eye makeup going on. Yeah. So yeah, we, we approve. Harry's hair looks awful, by the way. I mean, his <laughs> face from looks the rest awful. Of him, but yeah, it yeah, was but just, just like, it's like, what happened? Like, how did Mustache let you out like that? Uh, mustache? He's got a mustache to care for, Tom. <laughs> he can't be bothered with all other of people's hair needs. <laughs> Fat Thomas greets them and like, there's gambling there or there's not, but maybe there is. It's like a wink, wink gambling. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, some rich people stumble along. We call them Tweedle Dick and Tweedle Balls. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they suck. And and Harry, they're super drunk, and they're like, <laughs> that's verbatim from the subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> um, Harry says that these two guys are running their father's store into the ground. They had a last name yeah. that we didn't write down. Yeah. But um, Harry also, like, I don't know why Harry engages with these Barneys. Well, it's like, right. dude, you don't have to say anything. Yeah. Like, they just want to vomit on your shoe and be on their way. <laughs> and he's like, oh, your father had a business sense that you'll never have. And then one of them tries to punch him for saying that. Like, Even though it's pretty clear, <laughs> like, look... If what, you what had could, any business sense, you wouldn't be antagonizing one of your rivals when you're so drunk you can't stand. What could demonstrate my business sense at this moment? Punching. <laughs> punching. That'll do it. The interwarriors were hard for everyone. <laughs> uh, Fat Thomas breaks everything up and sends Tweedle Dick and Tweedle Balls <laughs> on their way. Harry watches Alberta like in a trance and it doesn't quite make any sense. Yeah. Like he's clearly very sad. Right. But... She's singing, nobody knows you when you're down and out, but Harry doesn't seem down and out. Things right. seem mostly fine. He's the yeah. Earl of Oxford Street still. That's right. He's like, not the Tweedle baronet of Oxford Street. Tweedle Dick and Tweedle Balls were kind of down and out, and plenty of people seem to know them. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, Harry's reverie is broken when Mustache calls him over to do something. Yeah. And scene. <laughs> Networking or whatever. Uh, so we see Ma. She's chasing a child around, and... Uh, Ro Rosalie asks why the child is not in bed. And Does the child have a name? Uh, you know, 
Yeah. I feel like it's Emily. Am I making that up? I, is yeah. that Ma Selfridge's name? <laughs> or am I confusing her with Fozzie Bear's mom, Emily Bear? <laughs> they do have similarities. They do have many similarities. <laughs> they both let their sons invite all their weirdo friends to stay at their house. Absolutely. Uh, on holidays. That's right. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Ma uh, took up surfing that time. <laughs> I took six months of surfing lessons for Zip. Uh, yeah. So possibly named girl says that she's nine years old. Like, who cares? Uh, and Ma and Rosalie discuss the gossip about Harry and the floozies. And uh, Rosalie asks Ma to say something to Harry. And Ma's like... Oh, say something to Harry. I haven't thought of that in the last 40 years. It's like Rosalie has no idea how a codependent relationship works. <laughs> At Selfridges, thank God. This show has really gotten a lot like Mad Men for me in that I am much more interested in anything that happens at work mm-hmm. and very little of what happens not at work. Yeah. And I include Colliano's as work. Like, yeah, that, you know, that's fair. You know, Fat Thomas has a career. That's right. Uh, George and Connie are walking along discussing when they will tell Kitty a thing. Uh, and Connie says that Kitty's had a lot on her mind because she's moving. And we cut to Kitty walking with Mustache, who are married, if you recall. That's right. And so she asks if they should have a formal dinner or cocktails at their new house. And he says it's up to her and is not listening. Uh, and she wants to have a dinner so people can see their new Wedgwood china. Sure. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. You know. Yeah. Again. He's writing things on a newspaper while not listening to her. And she asks if he had a good time the night before. And it's like, he's not even hung over. He's just like doing his job. And right. he says, uh, I'm working like I was last night. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. I don't care about your heart, your heartwarming. Or your house warming. <laughs> That's right. Warming, no warming at all. No warmings of any kind. <laughs> uh, so we see the new head of design, uh, who I was kicking around nicknames for Eyebrows, Mr. The Claire. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's see, not French. Let's see what shows up. That's right. Um, cause I, I don't think, does he uh, this show is the up only again? Scene that yeah. He's in. All right. So anyway. So we'll see what he does next episode because we genuinely don't remember <laughs> that, anything. That's right. Uh, so he's telling Crab that the queen of time is just going to be the coolest thing on Oxford Street. Time <laughs> is on Oxford Street. <laughs> he's like, it's this awesome abstract representation of time. And Crab is like, so are we going to display any goods at all? We, we do sell goods. That is our thing. And, you know, the, the head of design is like, oh, Philistine. He also has a ridiculous vest. He does. Ruddick. Yeah. Yet less vest. If he keeps the vest going, we may just, you know, focus on that nickname wise. Hmm. Vesty. (laughs) Vesty it is. I think we all laughed at Vesty. (laughs) Up in uh, Harry's office, Mr. Grove reads a morbid quotation, Periunt et imputantor which i took latin but we only made it through like three quarters of the latin one book (laughs) over two years so all right anyway uh it means the hours pass by and are reckoned on our account which seems pretty long yeah for three words but whatever yeah we've seen rome those people (laughs) were weird And he says, very good. Harry agrees that these are the best of times, which is not... Yeah, wait, what? Why? This This is about dying. Yeah. And, like, how you suck. Yeah. (laughs) This is great. A monument to death and meaninglessness. 
But Harry says that these are the best of times. I'm like, weren't the best of times when your wife was alive and not <laughs> mad at you? Which was pretty much the case most of the time. <laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Grove says that the uh, Queen of Time monument will be there long after he and Harry are gone. Harry says that's a long way off, which I'm sure isn't foreshadowing of any kind. Right. Uh, and then Crab pops in, who suddenly seems like the spryest <laughs> person on the show. Yeah. <laughs> comes in to crawl Grove away. And uh, he calls him into another office, and it's Grove's birthday. Everyone on management is pretending that they like him. Boo. Yeah, we don't like him. No clapping for Grove. Uh, and so as he's blowing out the candles on his cake, uh, Mr. Crab points out that Mr. Grove joined Selfridges 20 years ago, even though literally no one <laughs> except for Jeremy Piven has aged. And Jeremy Piven has, like, aged for everyone. Right. He looks about 4,000 years old. He's like... He's like the portrait of Dorian Gray, and everyone else is Dorian Gray. <laughs> <laughs> Down on the sales floor, uh, Kitty is telling Connie and George how many rooms she has in their new home and how the furniture from their old flat looks tiny. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. Yeah. Wait, it's not even humble I know, bragging. I know. It's like, just it's, bragging. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But Connie and George are kind of trying to like – Maybe tell her a thing. Yeah. But then uh, Connie asks when they can come over to see it. And Kitty is a little bit weird. She's like, oh, it's not ready yet. But uh, she says dinner Saturday should be fine because they're just family. Yeah. She doesn't need to impress them as much. Yeah. Uh, so it's fine. Yeah. And throughout this whole thing, George keeps trying to be like, let's put a positive spin on all this bitchery. And yeah. It's he calls. <laughs> That's right. Up in Grove's office. Crab is discussing, uh, they're pl- apparently planning a fishing trip together. Uh, Grove's going through his mail and he found a card from Miss Martle. <gasps> Miss Martle? Yes. Uh, it says, Roger, love always, Martle. And Grove is like, oh, this is really meaningful. Yeah. She really wants to, uh, <laughs> she wants, she wants to hit it. Yeah. She put a lot of thought into that card. You can tell. <laughs> Like, there's no, like, no, there's no, and he's like, oh, she always remembers my birthday. I'm like, it's easy to remember a birthday. Yeah. It's easy to send a card. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, like, say, dear, dear Roger, remember all those times you screwed me over? <laughs> On second thought, love, never again. <laughs> Josie. You suck this year as every year. <laughs> Many happy suckings. <laughs> Model. <laughs> Uh, so then, uh, down on the sales floor, Crab greets Nunu Gordon and his mustache. God, uh, that mustache. Yeah. It looks so terrible. Yeah, at least mustache's mustache, like, works for him. Yeah. To the extent that when we see mustache in a thing without his mustache, <laughs> we're like, ow! <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> we don't want West. you anymore! <laughs> And also, fix your headshot on IMDb, Samuel West. It's ridiculous. What is his headshot? Oh, it's the most pretentious thing you ever saw. Like, look it up, everybody. You'll know what I mean. Okay. Like, on a scale of one to Andrew Keegan and ten things I hate about you, how pretentious is it? (laughs) I mean, it's more... Like, Andrew Keegan's wasn't pretentious. It was just crappy. (laughs) He's like... It's black and white, and he's like staring down and to the right, and it's got like his hand on his chin. I was going to ask if his hand was on his chin. Yeah. God damn it. (laughs) Anyway... That aside, he's not in this scene. Um, <laughs> Kitty also greets Nunu Gordon, uh, and apparently Nunu Gordon is about has been touring the provincial stores, which he is in charge of. Uh, then George greets Ugh, him. Being regional manager sucks. Yeah. 
George greets him, and Nunu Gordon's like, hey, George, that, you know, experimental intelligence-improving medication's still working, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but uh, things didn't work out so great for that mouse. (laughs) Remember when I was friends with Fat Thomas? (laughs) We were in business together. My sister. Remember me alcoholic dad? (laughs) Remember when I tried to uh, hit Kitty Hawkins? Now I'm married to a sister. (laughs) Nina Gordon's like, no. <laughs> I'm going to have you shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so Nunu Gordon misses the store, but he's sure he'll be back. So great. Up in Harry's office, uh, there is a black American boxer who is fictitious, mm-hmm. who wants to fight the British champ, Yeah, uh, but he's not allowed to because of the race bar. Uh, but Fat Thomas is holding an exhibition at Colliano's so that that can happen. And uh, a mysterious figure is announced by Miss Plunkett. <gasps> it's Lady May! Woo! She looks great. She does look great. Yes. So that's certainly an exciting development. It is a very exciting development. Yeah. And so she and Harry are walking through the park and she reveals that she needs to sell her Selfridge shares because she is getting a divorce. Yeah. And is not getting any... She's not getting a settlement yeah. or nothing. Yeah. Uh, so she has to start over once again. Yeah. After the old lizard. <laughs> that's right. Ugh. God. Ugh, I hope he doesn't come back. Yeah. I mean, he got he, was, his, he got his ass handed to him pretty soundly. Yeah, in some way. Right, because was he was funding that a, thing a board that the meeting holy and architect the was doing. And right, and they there were those guys. Votes were taken. Right. Anyway. And people were like, <laughs> bah, 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 bah. They were. And uh, yeah, the, the American boxer is named on the show Joe Longford. I'm confident he's fictitious because when you Google that, Google says, showing you results for Joe Longthorn, a singer I'd never heard of. And then when you click on search for just Joe Longford, it's like, nope, only going to give you Joe, Joe Longthorn. <laughs> Google so. has spoken! <laughs> That's right. uh, at Grove House, uh, Grove walks in as a nanny is storming out saying she's never going to work there again. Like the beginning of Mary that's right so (laughs) it turns out they are in the same fictional universe and that's going to be the rest of the grove plot line this season oh great yeah oh it's a jolly (laughs) holiday with gingers (laughs) gingers make your heart so light actually that would be uh constituting libel (laughs) so (laughs) they actually had to cut this entire storyline we'll never see these gingers again yeah uh, so, two of the children appear to be at fault, one of them a boy, one of them a girl. Grove decides that the girl was the real problem. Her name is Meryl, she is the oldest. He t- pulls her into another room, and the other gingers eavesdrop on his berating of her. Lady May is telling Harry that she knew her new husband was having an affair, but this one is not content to play the mistress. Uh, May cannot go to court, uh, because she's not French, Unclear. For some reason, she can't go to court, so yeah. she won't get a penny. Possibly just, you know, sexism. Yeah. So uh, so she says she gets pin money from her fashion house, which I'm like, you have to be like getting some money from that, right? I don't know. Yeah, but I think it's one of those things where there's plenty of rich people who are willing to do it for free just because it's like an acceptable thing to occupy yourself oh, with. Oh, like on Real Housewives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. But she says she can actually live off of the money she would get from her Selford shares. And Harry says, remember when I first came to London? And we're like, no, what happened? (laughs) Well, I don't know. We kind of remember season one. Yeah, because he went to her house and she was like, you're cool. I'm going to take you to the shooting range or something. Yeah. And we were like, this is great. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, Lady May opened doors for Harry when he first came to London, and now it's his turn to help her. And I'm like, but nobody likes you. <laughs> Remember, you were Harold Spendrich. <laughs> you need gambling and floozies, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've got those in space. <laughs> uh, up in the office hallway, Plunkett tells Harry that Nuno Gordon has left, and he's like, oh. And then uh, a Mr. Keene from the London Civic Building Society arrives. He may look familiar to you as he played the Prince of Wales on that one Christmas special of Downton Abbey. Oh, the hijinks we had. <laughs> yeah. God, I miss that Julian Ov- Ovend- Ovenden? I think so. Yes, Ovenden. Yeah. God, he should have married Lady Mary. <laughs> we all know that. I know. Yeah. I just can't help thinking of what should have been. <laughs> yeah, but past is the past but like what did he even have to do go off and play stupid captain von Trapp Look, kelly or whoever in stupid live action kelly, sound of music or whatever always forward <laughs> watch luke cage on netflix everybody <laughs> that's right uh yeah so i guess this society is the major shareholder and he is replacing some former guy as a board member and he would like to meet with harry and harry's like uh you can meet with crab i'm a very important person yeah he's like josh gad at josh gad's <laughs> production company gad zooks yes yeah and this uh this mr keen is clearly uh you know trouble trouble right here in river city yeah by which we mean oxford street that doesn't start with T, which rhymes with P, that stands for pool. Oxford Street ends in T. That rhymes with P, that stands for pool? Yes. I'm satisfied. <laughs> it rhymes with B, that stands for Baccarat. <laughs> and bitch. <laughs> Nunu Gordon pulls into his driveway, and his children greet him, as does Grace. Was yeah. that? Was she always called Grace? <laughs> right. Because I, 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 he was like, Grace, and I was like, Really? Who? Her? Uh, we will continue calling her Fake Doris. Yes. Because that is her real name. <laughs> That's right. She's real Fake Doris. <laughs> Don't get me confused. <laughs> you heard what happened with the upstairs-downstairs thing. I did. Uh, anyway, apparently the kids were sort of well-behaved, so they get presents. Like, maybe this is a testament to my own childhood <laughs> and damage that's been done to me. But I'm like, if they weren't well-behaved, they shouldn't get presents. <laughs> Uh, Gordon says that he waited two hours to see his father, and every so often he likes to remind Nunu Gordon who's in charge, and... And Grace is like, oh, I'm sure it was something important. Which, no, it wasn't. No. Fake Doris is her name, Tom. Quit confusing me. Sorry. My God. Uh, but she then suggests that Nunu Gordon never fall out with their children. So apparently, Nunu Gordon and Mr. Selfridge have sort of fallen out yeah. over something. Yeah. Uh, unclear what. Yeah. Well, I think he doesn't seem to be super thrilled with his current position. No, he certainly does not. Yeah. Because being regional manager sucks. Yeah. Harry shows Violette's flat to May. Violette is off somewhere, so May can stay there. Uh, so she thanks him. She says that the new Madame Renard is 18 years old. And they call her La Renard, <laughs> which means the fox. <laughs> <laughs> uh harry says that she sounds awful uh she sounds 18 the only thing you know about her is that she's 18 i mean he's doing the thing where your friend gets dumped and you're like oh fuck everyone that isn't you and your friend is like i know that is ludicrous but thank you yeah no it's actually the perfectly correct response uh may says that the older you get the harder it is to play 
Which I mean, if your uh, if your life goal is marrying rich dudes, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. Well, because I mean, you just run out of patience, I think. Yeah, and like you get smarter, and they want you to be stupid, and you can't help that. Yeah, and she's still decades away from being able to watch the first Wives Club. She is. Yeah. <laughs> May says that she did not expect to be starting all over again, and Harry invites her to. Uh, tour the fashion department with mrs towler which just makes me sad because there's no miss towler i know god i miss miss towler i know <laughs> we're uh, i mean friends <laughs> with henri <laughs> uh, he's very different <laughs> from the war <laughs> uh, I, I should probably learn french <laughs> um yeah we <laughs> 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 and uh yeah so he says that after that they'll go out just like they used to uh i don't think anyone enjoyed it when they went out usually like uh, he would just bone down with an ellen love type they'd get ridiculed in the theater and uh, harry loved it no he, he did not enjoy that night well he didn't enjoy that because one, rosalie no. was there and rose was there and then there was the time he was hanging out with uh atia from rome and oh, she was yeah. being all weird and lady may was like this broad yeah is no fun yeah well, we enjoyed it. <laughs> Back at Grove House, Mr. Grove scolds his children for being late for school. Uh, Meryl has gotten a letter saying she got a teaching job. Everyone is happy, but Meryl. Yeah. But Grove basically passed her on the head and said, teaching's respectable, which always... You know yeah. what? When your children are downcast, <laughs> they want to really hear about how respectable their choices are. Yeah. Meryl's like, oh, I'm fired up now. <laughs> That's just your red hair, dog. <laughs> It'll never pass. <laughs> So Connie shows May the fashion department, including Ready to Wear, which is for secretaries and usherettes. Like, are there that? I'm like, secretary, how many usherettes are there? <laughs> like, is there just scads of them? It's the jazz age. Ugh. That's, I, I don't know. I'm glad we're living in the crap age. <laughs> Nary an usherette in sight. Yeah. Um, yeah. May is uh, very disdainful. Of the ready-to-wear. Oh, uh, she's been in Paris? Yeah. Yeah. Where women have fashion in their bones? Right. Uh, she's kind of a big deal? Yeah. God, it must be obnoxious to be in London and have people from Paris come by, or like English people that live in Paris. Oh, oh my God. Well, that's probably what it's like when we go back to Ohio. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what I'm <laughs> We're envisioning. We're like, oh, that's an avocado? Oh. Mm. Oh, I, I thought you said they had burritos. This is... Uh, oh, this is just a... Yeah. This is just a fart wrapped up in a tortilla. <laughs> We're from California where they have burritos in their bones. <laughs> Man, I sure could eat a burrito right now. <laughs> well, we're in California. We can make that happen. Huzzah! Anyway, May goes into Harry's office and suggests the luxury ready-to-wear um, as, you know, basically a new market segment to Target. And Harry is excited. And he asks her to help him with this new plan. Man, people on TV always get their cockamamie ideas off the ground real fast. And <laughs> yeah. I'm envious. <laughs> so hard for me to find a crazy rich person to bankroll all my schemes. Yeah, it's it's a challenge. My schemes are great. Uh, well, you know. Very low overhead. <laughs> Listen, if you're an eccentric, wealthy person and you're hearing this, Jeremy <laughs> Piven, I'm looking at your mercury-riddled ass. Uh, please. please ignore all our comments about your appearance. Yeah, you look uh, great for somebody with mercury poisoning. <laughs> please note, I've never seen a single other person who's had mercury poisoning. <laughs> Quick, to the WebMD! Oh, God, no. <laughs> 
Anyway, May is hesitant about this idea, but agrees to go see the Queen of Time unveiling with him. At some club, some gentleman's club. Yes. Not some, Night you know, ragtag right. jazz club. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a crap club. <laughs> Mustache asks Lord Wednesday? I think so. Okay. Wednesday? <laughs> Wednesday? That just doesn't sound like a name. Um, about the Reform Act, and he says, women's rights? Yeah. And so the Reform Act is the act that finally gave women full voting equality, not the one they were talking about on Downton Abbey. Right. Well, and even on Mr. Selfridge, right, which right. only gave women over the age of 30. I believe it was 30. Or yeah. who owned property yeah. the yeah. right to vote. Um, according to Lord Wednesday? Wednesday. <laughs> really? His name is Wednesday. I just... <laughs> I just, I want to call him I am the walrus. Like, Wednesday Adams. <laughs> okay, Wednesday Adams <laughs> says that women only like knitting, recipes, babies, and gossip. Which, pff, boy, does he got my number. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I know what women want. You list all those things. I'm like, nobody knows what women want. Except Mel Gibson uh, that time. That's right. He had it nailed. Yeah, but I don't know if he's allowed to know that anymore <laughs> on account of the things that he said about Oksana. <laughs> Um, okay, anyway, uh, Wednesday Adams says that girls are easily led and will vote how his papers tell them. This is true. <laughs> hashtag not all girls. Oh, right. But every year, uh, when it comes voting time, I say, Tom, what should I vote for? And Tom tells me. Yeah. And usually I forget and I just take whatever the young Democrats say. But... <laughs> Look, hey. I am not civically engaged. This is democracy in action, people. I am mentally ill, <laughs> and therefore, I should be allowed to vote however I feel like. Okay. But also because just I'm a person. Right. You're, you're actually allowed to vote however you feel like. Man. <laughs> well, then I don't want to vote at all. I'm rebellious. Okay, Mustache pitches Wednesday Adams on the Queen of Time as a story right. in his newspaper. Uh, and Wednesday says that he has dirty linen about Harry Selfridge's family that he wouldn't want aired in public. And I'm like, dude, they don't even care at this point. Yeah. Like, it's, he's clearly got a sex addiction and a gambling addiction. And they've all decided that it's better to just live with it. Yeah, apparently so. Uh, but whatever. So we see Crab and Grove out on their fishing trip. What manly men. <laughs> uh, Grove is worried about the children and the lack of maternal influence. Oh, come on, Mr. Grove. You're enough of a pussy to be mother and father <laughs> both. Don't put yourself down like that. Yeah. Also, uh, good job taking care of your children by going on a fishing trip with your work buddy. Well, what do you think his oldest daughter is for? <laughs> yeah. She's got maternal influence. You know what? Actually, she has no maternal influence whatsoever, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, apparently they discuss Martle, and Grove and Martle agreed that uh, Martle couldn't be stepmother to five ginger terrors. Um, one of them's blonde one... and not actually Mr. Grove's child. <laughs> right. Because remember when real Doris got hit by that lorry? Yeah. Uh, in, you know, as penalty for her shameful <laughs> adultery. Jesus Christ. Tyler! <laughs> <laughs> why are you doing this to us yeah and they also talk about how meryl is intractable jazz <laughs> two blonde floozies arrive in an open top car at Colliano's, and fat thomas greets lady may and then sees the dolly sisters arrive with jimmy dillon these are the floozies in question oh boy who my god 
Like, you just always had to be on during the vaudeville age. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, hello, everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah. these They put the flu in floozy. Like, they do put the flu in floozy. Uh, they exposit who they are. Harry has known them for years, apparently. And they have heard about Lady May's French adventures. And Lady May is not impressed with them. Because yeah. clearly they are a lower brand of showgirl mm-hmm. than Lady May. Well, and, like, Lady May, not a fan of Ellen Love, either. That's I mean, right. you know. Lady May knew what she wanted and got it. I mean, yeah, yeah, bad idea. Yeah. It turned out, but well, yeah, but I mean, you know, she's overall her plan's been reasonably successful. That's true. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, they've got their American accents to keep them warm, <laughs> Harry. Yeah. Oh, and they're always like saying things together or and, like repeating them. Yeah. And God, it's awful. Yeah. It's just like, and I keep wanting something to happen like in Clone High, where it's like, dude, we rehearsed this. (laughs) Best dudes forever. We see Grove reading The Wind in the Willows to his son, the only child that he loves. Because he's not his, biologically. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, And he was reading him the part where Mr. Toad gets a car, or maybe just before he did, and it's like, vroom, vroom, and all that sort of thing. We all know it. And uh, so he's like, okay, good night, and... The son is like, can we have a motor car? He's like, they're too expensive. <laughs> and <then> he- <laughs> Dream shattered. Advantage crow. Yeah. Like, and, and, my God. Yeah. And then he walks out of the room being like, I am a great father. Well, not before he goes, room, room. Like, just to, like, rub it in. <laughs> God, he's the worst. <laughs> Back at Caliano's, the boxes are announced. Joe Langford. Uh, oh. I guess oh, at one point- I wrote goddamn. <laughs> I was like, why did you write goddamn like you were physically attracted? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, incorrect. I was physically attracted to Joe Langford. Yeah. Very- Langford? Langford. Langford. Yeah. Which actually might be an allusion to a boxer named Sam Langford. I realized that at a different oh, time. Is that the American one? Yeah, that's yes. the American okay. one. Um, I don't know. Okay. But I don't know why they would make an illusion and not just use the historical figure's name, but whatever. Unimportant. Sam Langford's family has an extremely tight rein on his legacy. That may be true. Uh, I mean, the show isn't that good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, the British boxer comes out. He is smaller, but more popular, presumably for reasons of, uh, jingoism and racism. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, Harry boos unenthusiastically. And I'm like, come on, Piven, quit phoning it in. Yeah. He's like, it's my mercury poisoning. <laughs> the Dolly sisters bet on the quote unquote Negro. That's right. And Harry gets in on the betting. Uh, yeah. So they bet like, well, they bet like they 100. They bet 500 pounds. Well, it's like they bet 100 and Harry's like, oh, same for me. And then they're like 200. And he's like, okay. And then they're like 500. And Harry's like, okay, fine. You win. Like this pointless thing that you've just done. <laughs> right. Uh, Lady May has essentially one facial expression for the rest of the episode because motherhood has really changed Catherine. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus it's like this whole episode is her just being forced into the company of the Dolly sisters and other yeah. undesirables. And she's just like, Ugh. fight fights on and the tolerable Dolly eyes Harry. So there's two of them. They're right. named something. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. But the one is more nasal and annoying and the other one is a little bit more throaty and attractive. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. I I find one of them tolerable and the other completely not. So that uh, maybe it's just and Tom me. rules. Uh, so, uh, in Kitty's new dining room, they walk in. Connie compliments its size and luxuriousness, uh, but says that it's a shame that Mustache couldn't be there. And Kitty's like, "Oh, it doesn't bother oh, me at all." 
it's just the price of success. Always on call. And then we had a smash cut to the fight where Mustache is like, ha, 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 which is great. Yeah. Uh, the fight continues and the Dolly sisters are in London for cocktails, Baccarat, and they want to get into talkies. Yeah. And so Harry says he knows a few producers who would love to meet them. And the tolerable Dolly fondles his leg. Uh, so clearly she wants to selfridge that. Uh, and Mustache thinks that the Dolly sisters are great fun. Lady May disagrees, yeah. as do we. Yeah. And we see Jimmy Dillon working the books and giving Lady May kind of uh, the eye. Yeah. Which would make more sense if he was actually attractive. Like <laughs> This is the problem that Kelly has been facing. No, I just, I want him to be attractive. And there's, just it's not, not like there's anything wrong with him. He's it's- like if somebody hit Jake Gyllenhaal in the face with a frying pan. <laughs> like... It's just not working for me. Yeah, sorry. I mean, and I really like Jake Gyllenhaal isn't even one of my favorites, you know? So it's like yeah. we're already starting at a very <laughs> low level of attractiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So Jimmy Dillon, not a fan of his face. Right. So if that actor was planning to sleep with you, you're out of luck, buddy. Yeah. Good luck, Jimmy <laughs> Dillon, whatever your real name is, which I didn't even bother to look up because I am not interested in physically <laughs> whatsoever. I don't even know why I listen to this podcast. I think he's British. I'm not good at British accents. Ah, okay. Look, now I'm feeling all self-conscious. Let's keep going. So uh, dinner's over at uh, Kitty's. Uh, a mustache house. That's what I was trying to come up with. Mustache house. <laughs> uh, <and> our house. <laughs> in the middle of our stash. Our house. In the middle of our lip. Um, <laughs> so the Towlers have an announcement. They're having a baby. And Kitty takes a long time to congratulate Well, them. she probably, like us, assumed that these IQ-enhancing drugs that George <laughs> Tower's been taking rendered him uh, infertile. <laughs> oh, no, that mouse had a baby. Right before things got weird. <laughs> um... Back of the fight, uh, Joe Langford takes the dive. We all saw it coming. Yeah. Because Jimmy Dillon has been sort of like yeah. shifty. Oh, what? This off-the-books, quote-unquote, exhibition boxing match was fixed? Like, what Crazy. a surprise. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy talk. <laughs> uh, the annoying sister is devastated that she's lost 500 pounds, which yeah. is a ridiculous sum of money. Which is. And then the other one's like, well, I suppose we'll just have to win it back. And I'm like, yes. That's how gambling works. Good call. That's how gambling addicts think gambling works. Uh, Speaking of gambling addicts, Harry says he will pay her debt, but Jimmy Dillon writes it off because her big bet encouraged a bunch of other people to lay bets on uh, Joe Langford. So she jumps home and goes, my knight in shining armor. She's like if Harley Quinn was even more annoying. (laughs) Uh, Wednesday Adams shows up and is racist about, oh, I'm sorry. I skipped a thing. The tolerable sister, uh, takes Harry away and, uh, presumably wants to fuck. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah, May is leaving. She's heading out. She's, well, she's trying to leave, but then Jimmy Dillon is like, oh, I'm sure we'll see more of each other because I have read the scripts and we are going to be forced together for bizarre reasons. I assume. I actually don't remember, but I, you know, why would he say that? 
Harry comes up and uh, is like, hey, get out of May's face. Uh, May says that she and Harry are not together. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole awkward three-way awkwardness. Yeah. And then Wednesday Adams shows up, so this is going to help. Uh, he shows up, says some racist things about black people, and then leaves. He's like, I just wanted to make sure you all heard my opinions on this. <laughs> well, uh, that is how old white dudes are. <laughs> Through time immemorial. Like, even though these people are probably very racist. Yeah. Old white dudes are always like, I'm going to be the most racist. Yeah. Don't worry. I've got this covered. Right. I also wonder if the Dolly sisters were a real person or if they were named specifically as uh, an allusion to the Discworld novels in which one of the neighborhoods in Angmore Pork is called Dolly Sisters. I don't know. Yeah. We could presumably look it up. Possibly. Because if that's the case, then the Discworld allusion is an allusion to real life. And now, (laughs) head explodes. Wow. Yeah. Careful, we might destroy the whole universe with this podcast. Or just the Discworld. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so May finally manages to leave. Back at Grove House, Meryl asks Mr. Grove if she can find a Saturday job at Selfridges. Uh, you know, like everyone else on this show has. <laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Grove says no because shop girls are exposed to influences. <laughs> and Meryl correctly pouts that Doris would have understood as yeah. Doris was a shop girl. Yeah. They're exposed to influences like creepy hiring managers that have sex with their employees. Mm-hmm. Buddy. Boy, if you could see Tom's face, <laughs> it is disapproving. <laughs> that is true. So Harry heads into Selfridge House and Ma asks him, what time do you call this? And uh, she hears all the gossip and she chides It's him- gambling o'clock! <laughs> Lloyd! (laughs) I got 50 pounds, says it's 3.30 a.m. Fair. Double or nothing. (laughs) Harry, you know all my money comes from you. Uh, But anyway, Ma says... There's no sport in it. (laughs) Ma says that Harry should ask me over for dinner, as in ask her over for dinner. <laughs> right. Not um, at dinner. Well, <laughs> no, they would have a dinner first, then some drinks, then Ma would be like, oh, I'm awfully tired. I'm going to go to bed. And Harry would say, Ma, it's not gambling o'clock yet. <laughs> Lloyd! <laughs> uh, so then at work, Harry is working in his office and May kind of interrupts him and says that she can't work for him or live in that flat or anything. Because she's developing healthy boundaries. That's right. Uh, she says that people see her as a woman with a sugar daddy, you know, which she's always been. And if she's going to make a new start, it should perhaps be a non-sugar daddy start. Yeah, or I think she's just concerned that the other sugar daddies will think that she has a sugar daddy. Oh, uh, yeah. And that she's no longer available for sugar daddying. That's also a good possibility. Yeah. Um, Harry says he needs her. He needs a friend. And then uh, Mustache comes up, asks if May will be at the unveiling, and uh, then just throws in some random exposition that Jimmy Dillon is the son of a Maharaja who bootstrapped his way to success. Great. Yeah. Still unattractive. <laughs> the gingers run around Mr. Grove's office. He brought them to see the unveiling of the Queen of Time, and he introduces Kids them- love abstract art, yeah, by they the do. way. So this is a good decision. That's what all these billboards around San Francisco are <laughs> telling me. He introduces them to Harry, and apparently Arthur is away at school. Uh, great. great. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, if you've seen one ginger, you've seen them all, I always <laughs> say. Meryl uh, says she's 19. Which, wait, Grove's been in Selfridges for 20 years. Uh-huh. 
so everything leading up to him being with Doris took one year, and then it's been 19 years since then? I mean, really, it took less than one year because, like, you have to be pregnant for nine months. Yeah, so... so (laughs) I don't know if you're aware of how that works. Right. So that was all a three-month time period with the whole thing, Agnes rising up, like, that whole... Yeah, all right. Like, these two things were in the same episode. I don't know what to tell you, sir. All you had to do was have Crab say over 20 years, and then we could have, like, anyway. Look, Tom, eyeliner can't be bothered with numbers. He's got (laughs) eyeliner to maintain. (laughs) Uh, The kids go off with uh, Mr. Crab for free toys and dresses. On Harry. I'm like, why can't I ever have a boss who's insane (laughs) with no regard whatsoever for the bottom line? Then it'd be my time to shine. <laughs> Meryl uh, stays behind and asks Harry for a job. Harry says that he wouldn't let Violette work there and regrets it. So mm-hmm. she's got the job, like without an interview. Well, but he loves nepotism. Yeah, it's he his does. favorite hobby. Yeah. Uh, so downstairs, she tells Mr. Grove about it, and he grudgingly accepts that she will do this. Yeah. And I'm like, why couldn't you have just grudgingly accepted in the first scene and not been a complete douche? Yeah. Well, because now Harry has said something about it. So it was like, oh, well, the man's chimed in. Man, all of these people are codependent. Yeah. On Mr. Selfridge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in possibly the Palm I Court. I think it is the Palm okay. Court. Uh, Harry asks Wednesday Adams about the story, the, you know, gossip that he's heard about. And apparently Sergei has had an affair with a uh, countess. So, you know, yeah, that's scandal. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Uh, and then I wish I had an affair with a countess. <laughs> at this inopportune moment rosalie comes by and harry is like here hang out with wednesday adams maybe he has something interesting to tell you <laughs> no well he says she's married to sergey yeah. and like wednesday adams does seem to like take it as like oh so don't talk about sergey's <laughs> wandering dick in front of her like okay i know how things work right uh so yeah they make some small talk about having children or whatever and like you know so does wednesday feel bad now or is this just sort of a scene tailing off into nothingness i have no idea because like rosalie's like oh my mother had four children but even one's a blessing and it's just like she's so stepforded out yeah and he's just like i mean i don't know is it supposed to humanize anyone right because we already knew that she sucked (laughs) winston's like i hate children and women he does hate women and negroes don't forget the negroes Uh, so Connie then tells Mr. Grove that she's pregnant, but she wants to work as long as she can. Yeah. So great. Sure. At the club, one of the crap clubs. Yeah. Crap club. Uh, Mr. Keene greets Gordon. Not to be mistaken for a craps club. Yeah. Which is a completely different type club. Yeah. They generally have the jazz. Yes. Um, yeah. So Mr. Green has wanted to meet Gordon and Gordon's like, hey, you know, I've got no power here. Like, I'm just like in this shit job because my dad hates me. And uh, Keen's like, hey, you know, you're influential. You've got a high position and you are, after all, Mr. Selfridge. But he's not. <laughs> he's Mr. Gordon. Yeah. It's like Mr. Keen doesn't know how England works. <laughs> Up in Harry's office, May comes in, and they have the same exact conversation again. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he says, like, not offering you charity. It would be on your terms. Like, the terms where I'm setting a boundary, and I don't want you to <laughs> right. violate it. He, she already offered her terms. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they dither about it, and he asked, will you join me? And I'm, like, very unclear if he means for the unveiling or, or like this, this whole... luxury fashion line. Yeah. So I guess to be continued. Yeah. Okay, now it's time for the unveiling, people. <gasps> 
Oh my god. Okay. You guys. <laughs> you guys. So the last thing that we podcasted was the last episode of Peaky Blinders. And we all remember how amazingly good that last scene was. That was so good. I wept. Yeah. We've watched that again, I think, twice. I think so, yes. And, like, yeah. loved it. Yeah. Loved it. So what we have here... There were things in that room that spoke to me. <laughs> God himself spoke to me, Tommy. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Listen uh, to our Peaky Blinders podcast, Family Meeting. Right. And so what we have here is the exact opposite... <laughs> of that (laughs) so they're having the unveiling harry goes up onto a platform says selfridge has gone from strength to strength and they're awesome which is very fascist anytime anybody says we've gone for like it's a very trump-esque thing to say yeah he's standing centered in frame filmed from below against a giant red backdrop yeah so yeah so you tell me yeah so he's like okay here it is and they unveil this weird looking piece of crap which is fine (laughs) And then Harry, backing away while turning around to look at it, just falls off the platform. Like a turtle! <laughs> yes. Like a turtle on its back! And then in slow motion, waving his arms and legs, lands on one of the people in the band, which I feel sorry for that guy. I feel really sorry <laughs> for that guy. And then is just lying there bleeding, like, uh... And it's like they were like, remember that car crash scene and how dumb it was? I think we can top it. I think somebody mashed those gifts up for us. I <laughs> yeah. could be wrong. I have to go back through Twitter. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> that thing's more unruly than uh, I was going to say something really vulgar, but never mind. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll leave it at that. Yes. Uh, look, it's... it's it's. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you were the person who did that gift, just send it to us again because... <laughs> Please do. Good Lord. I don't think I can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or if the gift was something else and you can tell that we were thinking of your gift, then... So many notifications. <laughs> I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it. All right. So we'd best move on. Okay. And that means that it's time for the selfies. <gasps> A.K.A. the Selfridge Awards. That's right. Uh, so first off, we have the Nail In It Award. Which goes to Meryl for securing a job. Yeah. Uh, unlike the rest of those shiftless gingers... <laughs> Yeah, and getting the job she wanted. She may be the only person in this episode who accomplished anything that they wanted to accomplish. It's true. Everybody else is really depressed. Like, Lady May looks like she's been shot. Yeah. Like, repeatedly. Yeah. And, like, every time she opens the door, somebody punches her in the face. (laughs) Like, it's not a good scene. Yeah. I hope things turn around for Lady May because she's our favorite. Yeah, she is our favorite. She's the best. Uh, so next up, we have the stick poke, which goes to <laughs> Harry falling off the platform. <laughs> oh, my God. He fell off. <laughs> Harry, you fall off the platform. Oh, my God. You own the world, and you fell <laughs> off of a platform. We've watched I wonder it. if that's foreshadowing. <laughs> it may be. We've watched probably three times we've watched this episode, and every time it's been a good, like, three minutes of laughing at that. Smooth yeah. <laughs> God, I missed that stick poking kid. <laughs> I know, and all the lines that we invented that he never said. Oh, Missy, Missy, that we text each other constantly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that brings us to the window worthy award. Which goes to the Queen of Time, because there was nothing else in this yeah, episode. By process of elimination. So great. Yeah. We love abstract art from the interwar period. Oh, yeah. 
fart noise. Yeah, we're big fans. <laughs> In case you can't tell, we're being sarcastic. <laughs> and finally, the eyeliner scale of eyeliner. Yes. We are not certain that we remember how this scale works. I feel pretty confident. You feel good about it? Yeah, okay. I feel good about it. Uh, but we are giving this crayon. Yeah, because a baby could have made this episode. This episode yeah. was so stupid. Yeah. Like, what? You're bringing Lady May back just to be sad all the time? Yeah, that's not what's good about When's Lady May. When's she going to get her groove back? Yeah. When does she meet her Tay Diggs? Oh, unless it's that Jimmy Dillon guy. Mm. But he's not as attractive as Tay Diggs. Well, so few people are. <sighs> So few people really are. Yeah. He's so attractive. And he <laughs> follows me on Twitter. <laughs> or he used to. Yeah. I don't know. I hemorrhage followers. Turns out if you uh, live tweet your nervous breakdown, <laughs> uh, break even. You break even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people are on Twitter to avoid thinking about their own impending nervous breakdowns. Ah, so. But then once you have it, it's over. Yeah. Uh, presumably. <laughs> I'm in the... I'm in the pink, uh, brain-wise. Yeah. Wait, shouldn't my brain be gray? Ah! <laughs> uh, no, you're actually doing fine. All right. Clear. So that does it for season four, episode one of Mr. Selfridge. That's right. Until next time, tighten your belts! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>